We're gonna jump into week two of, uh, of triggers, how to punch temptation in the face. But before we do that, I had a cool experience this week I wanted to tell you about. It doesn't really have anything to do with the message, but just reminded me of how much I love you guys and how much I love getting a chance to speak to you each week, how much I love getting a chance to pastor you, to be your pastor, to, to have relationships with you guys, just how much I love getting to do what I do and what God's called me to do. Um, my daughter Sadie's in second grade, and a couple of weeks ago, she brought home a sheet of paper from school from her teacher that said, uh, Friday, I think the 19th, March 19th is career day. We'd love for all parents to be a part of that. So um, Sadie's like, Dad, are, would you want to do this? And um, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And she's like, well, what are you going to talk about? And I said, well, I'll talk about being a pastor. And she's like, well, what would you say? I said, well, we'll figure it out. So signed up. We're, we're getting ready to I load everybody in the car Friday morning, take, I'm taking Sadie to school. And um, we're getting out of the car. And she said, Dad, are you going to talk about being a pastor? I said, yeah, maybe that's my career. She said, well, what are you going to say? I said, I'm going to talk about being a pastor. I said, Sadie, what is something that... Uh, that I do as a pastor that's really, that you think is like cool and exciting, that your friends would think is cool and exciting. And she thought, and she thought, and she said, well, I don't know, Dad. Like, uh, I mean, you read the Bible? I'm like, uh-oh, it's gonna be a long morning. So I go into the school, I go into the holding room for all the parents, and I walk in, and there is a police officer, and there is a fireman, and there's a doctor, and there's, there's somebody who works at the zoo. And like, then I hear the fireman say, hey, where can I pull my fire truck to? I thought, oh my God, he brought a fire truck. And the policeman says, hey, where can I pull my police car up to? I've got nothing. I have no giveaways. I've got no swag. I've got no props. I've got nothing. So she tells me the room that I go to and we go to the room and... Um, I talked about being a pastor, and I just talked about how much I loved being a pastor and how much I loved Hope City Church and um, told the kids that being a pastor would give me the opportunity to travel to Argentina and Bolivia and Guatemala and Honduras and build orphanages. And once I said that, they had lots of questions about how big the airplane was that I flew on and how did the pilots stay awake, and it was, uh, they were very interested at that point. So Friday afternoon, uh, Sadie comes home and she brings thank you cards from everybody in her class. Their teacher had them write thank you cards. And I got the most priceless note from Sadie. I brought it. Um, I'm going to read it to you, but I'm going to hold on to this. Later. I'm going to throw that up there. She says, Dear Dad, thank you, Daddy, for coming to career day and speaking to my class. You didn't embarrass me. You made me happy. <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, quite a day, quite a day. But it just reminded me. I got to talk to kindergartners and second graders and about being a pastor and it just reminded me how much I love getting to do what I do and love you guys and getting to see you. So um, God's, God's doing some incredible things here and, and we're not dreaming big enough. We're gonna keep praying big and dreaming big and it's exciting. So um, that, was, uh, that was fun. At 8.15 a.m. on August the 6th, 1945, a man named Sutomi Yamaguchi stepped off of a streetcar in Hiroshima. Uh, he was on a business trip for Mitsubishi when a plane passed overhead and he looked up and he saw uh, two parachutes falling from the sky and the next instant, an atomic bomb exploded in Hiroshima. The blast site was two miles away from where Yamaguchi was standing and the flash of heat left him with burns across his torso and 
Uh, he actually ruptured his eardrums and it temporarily blinded him. And uh, he found his way to a, to a bomb shelter. And the next day, uh, miraculously, he was healthy enough to make the journey back home to Nagasaki. So on August the 9th, three days later, he was home and he was well enough to go to work. And so uh, at, he went into work. And at that exact moment that he was explaining to his boss what had happened to him in Hiroshima and how a nuclear bomb had destroyed Hiroshima, he saw the same white flash out of his office window and a second atomic bomb from the U.S. had just detonated over Nagasaki. Yamaguchi is the only person known in history to ever survive two atomic bomb blasts. Only person to ever do that. And uh, today as we continue our series, Triggers, How to Punch Temptation in the Face, I want us to talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I want us to talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Talk about temptation without talking about environment. You can't talk about triggers and talk about temptation without talking about an environment. You know, you can tell a lot about somebody's dreams and a lot about somebody's goals for their life based on where they spend most of their time. And when it comes to avoiding temptation and sin, it's impossible to make the right choices in the wrong places. I mean, it's nearly impossible to make the right choices if you find yourself consistently in the wrong places. Let's say it like this. When I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time, I almost always do the wrong thing. When I'm at the wrong place, at the wrong time, I almost always do the wrong thing. Now, I don't want to be offensive this morning, but I have a grandmother who is one of the sweetest, most godly, most righteous people. She's one of those ladies with the big hair, and, and I mean, she knows how to pray, and she's never said a vile word in her life. She's never said a curse word in her life, at least that I've ever heard. But when I was a teenager, this sweet, uh, quiet, righteous woman who loves God with all of her heart said to me, she said, Jason, don't be out after midnight. The only thing open after midnight is your pants. I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing from my grandmother. I don't want to hear this, right? But she was right. I mean, not exactly, but when you are at the wrong place at the wrong time, you almost always do the wrong thing. Y'all won't remember another thing I said, but you'll remember that because I've never forgotten it. So this series is about breaking free from those temptations and sins that keep tripping us up, keep trapping us. We're bound, we're chained up, we're locked up. Maybe some of us for five years, 10 years, 20 years, decades. Some of us still carrying around things from our teenage years and we're 40 and 50 years old. We We are bound and chained and locked up and we want freedom. We don't wanna keep doing the same things. We don't wanna keep falling. We don't wanna keep giving in to temptation, but we're addicted or, or we're trapped, and that's what this series is all about. It's, it's about finding that free, <clears throat> freedom. Proverbs 26, 11 says, as a dog returns to his vomit, it's pretty disgusting, but as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. This disgusting thought, this disgusting image the Bible gives us of, of us, as all of us who have struggled keep returning 
to those things, those sins, those choices. This, we just can't, we know we shouldn't. We know it's gross, but we can't stop. We keep going, we keep going back. And we're trapped and we feel like that freedom will never be an option. But throughout this series, we're using 1 Corinthians 10, 13 as a backdrop. It's a reminder for us that whenever we're tempted, no matter how strong the temptation, we always have a choice to not give in. This is what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says. It says the temptation in your life, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. That's freeing right there. You just gotta know you're not alone. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You always have a choice, even when it doesn't feel like it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I told you last week, write that down, put it on a mirror, put it on a car, get a tattoo, figure out a way to, to, to remember 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Because what it promises us is that in every single instance when we feel like temptation is more than we can take and we're, more, uh, we're overwhelmed and we, we can't not do the wrong thing, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that God provides a way out every time. He gives us a back door. He gives us a fire escape. He, 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 he gives us one of those Zach Morris's saved by the bell timeouts and everything freezes and we can... We can, we can go, we can get out of that, of that situation. And so that's what this is about, about overcoming, punching temptation in the face, overcoming. And so today we're gonna read a, a story, look at a story that reads like a manual for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, it is textbook, wrong place, wrong time. King David, who had an otherwise stellar record, finds himself in the middle of some terrible decisions all because he, was, he wasn't where he should have been. This is a guy that God described as a, after, as a man after his own heart. He was the greatest king of Israel. He did so many things right. But there was a season in his life where dominoes started falling and bad decisions turned into more bad decisions, all because at the beginning, he was not where he was supposed to be. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so that's what we're gonna look at today. I wanna encourage you to take some notes if you... If you have a pen and paper, get that out. Maybe phone notes if you want to do that. Write some of these things down because it's going to help you overcome temptation. So here we go. First, uh, 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. If you have a Bible, follow along. If not, it's going to be up on the screen for you, okay? In the spring of the year, when the kings normally go out to war, everybody say normally. In the spring, when the kings normally go out to war... David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, everybody say however, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Everybody say wrong place. Jerusalem was not where David was supposed to be. David was supposed to be out fighting the Ammonites. But he's in Jerusalem He's in the wrong place. Verse two, late one afternoon, after his midday rest, otherwise known as a nap, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. Everybody say wrong time. Wrong time, wrong time. And as he looked out, verse two continues, as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam 
and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. And she had just completed the purification rites ever having her menstrual period, which is too much information, but there you go. Then she returned home. Verse 5, later when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. I don't know if anybody else has ever gotten um, that text message uh, or anything like that, but I'm sure David's heart dropped in his stomach a little bit. Hopefully you didn't find out through text message. That was a bad example, but you know what I mean? Like you, you hear those words. And so here's David, who's a man after God's own heart and who does so many things right, but he finds himself at the wrong place at the wrong time. And when we're at the wrong place at the wrong time, we almost always make the wrong choice. When we are at the wrong place at the wrong time, we almost always make the wrong choice. Come on, somebody. Standing in the pantry at 10.45 p.m., you never make the right choice. You know, you never make the right choice. Driving through the Krispy Kreme drive-thru, you're never going to make the right choice. Wrong place, wrong time, wrong choice. And that's where David finds himself. So I want to give you three, three thoughts this morning, three takeaways to help us overcome temptation in our life. To overcome this, this, this feeling of defeat that we feel so often and we, we can't ever beat. Let me give you three thoughts. Write these down. Number one is this. I am most tempted when I am outside of my purpose. I am most tempted. You are most tempted when you are outside of your purpose. You know, the greatest strategy that the enemy has, Satan has, is to convince you that there's something better out there. I mean, at its core, that's what sin and temptation is. Hey, there's, there, there's something better out there. Sex with somebody who's not your spouse is what'll make you happy. Taking that money that doesn't belong to you is what's gonna make you happy. Getting high is what's gonna make you happy. Lying on your taxes is what's gonna make you happy. Whatever it is, I mean, it, it's, you're not happy now, and so doing this will make you happy. We all buy into that lie. We all feel that lie. And when you're not living in your purpose, when you're not living feeling like I woke up today doing what I was born to do, then that just gives the devil more opportunity to show up in your life and say, you're miserable, but this will make you happy. Now, I'm not saying that people who are in their purpose aren't gonna be tempted. I don't mean that because I consider, my somebody, somebody, I consider me somebody who is living in their purpose, but it's a whole lot easier for somebody who's miserable to be convinced that they could be happy otherwise when they're, when they're, when they're, you know, when they're not happy, when they're not in their purpose. You hate life, you hate your job, you hate your spouse, and you hear this voice in your ear saying, why don't you scroll through Facebook and find that girl you liked in high school that was kind of sexy? And the next thing you know, 18 steps later, you're doing something you never thought you would do because this voice in your ear said, you're not happy, but this will make you happy. I've said this to you before. It just blows my mind. But did you know that the number two reason in the last three years listed for divorce is Facebook? Somebody found somebody on Facebook? That like blows my mind, right? Well, where does that come from? It comes from somebody being unhappy, being miserable, 
feeling like they're with the wrong person, which is a misconception, but hearing this voice in their ear. That's what the devil does. He wants to tell you that you're unhappy. So when you're living outside of your purpose, when you feel like you're not living, doing what you were born to do, what God created you to do, using the gifts that God gave you, then that, 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 that devil, that snake that showed up to Adam and Eve is gonna show up in your ear. Now, at our core, regardless of profession, God made us, our purpose at a core, not, not getting into specifics, but at our core, our purpose is to be a light and to influence people, to make a difference. That all of us, if we claim to be a follower of Jesus, all of us, at our core, our purpose is to be an influence, to be a light. Excuse me, to be a light, to be an influence, to be a city on a hill is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter, chapter 6. And so even though I don't know the specifics of your purpose for your life or what it is that you should be doing, and I'm not saying that everybody should be, you know, being a, a preacher by any means, because there, there is something that God's called you to do. You're good at it. You know you're good at it. You know you're called to it, a businessman, a stay-at-home mom, whatever it is. Regardless of specifics, I can promise you that if you spend more of your time helping people, being an influence for people, you will feel less temptation in your life. I can promise you, I have no problem giving that 100% guarantee. You say, Jason, I, I don't know what it is. It's like on Friday nights, I just can't not give in to temptation. I can promise you if next Friday night, instead of going out, you went to a homeless shelter and served dinner, I can promise you, you would not be tempted. 100% guarantee. You say, Jason, I just... You know, I've, I've, I, I, I just, I end up in the wrong place at the, the wrong time at this certain, you know, whatever it is, this certain period of, uh, of time. I can promise you if you decided to go put some gas in your lawnmower and get the name of five elderly widows who can't cut their grass and you went and cut their grass, you wouldn't feel tempted. I can promise you. Because God created you to be an influence, to be a light, to be a purpose. Now, I'm not saying you can fill up your whole week distracting yourself with good, but I'm thinking you can fill up a lot more time distracting yourself with good and helping people. Go build a house for Habitat for Humanity. You will not think about whatever it is that's tripping you up while you're doing that, I promise you. Because you're most tempted when you're outside of your purpose. And if you are helping people and influencing people and being a light, then you are at the right place at the right time. And it's easier to make the right choice. So number one, I'm most tempted when I'm outside of my purpose. Number two, write this down. Number two, I'm most tempted when I'm being lazy. I'm most tempted when I'm being lazy. Proverbs, uh, or Proverbs 16, 27 through 29. This is in the Living Bible translation. A little bit of slang. It says, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle lips are his mouthpiece. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. David's purpose was to be the king who led the army to fight the battle. And he said, no, I'm not going to be in my purpose. I'm going to send somebody on. And then the Bible says that David got up from like a three o'clock nap. He's just hanging out on the roof. Why? He doesn't have anything to do. Kings are supposed to be fighting battles. All of his boys are gone. There's nothing to do. So he's like, I'll take a nap. Nothing wrong with a good nap. Come on, I love a good nap. But, but David is a warrior. David's not a sleeper. David is a warrior. 
And so he gets outside of his purpose and he stays back to look over whatever he's looking over instead of fighting his battle. And then it says he's taking a nap at three o'clock in the afternoon. You would think that the unhappiest people would be the ones who don't have a lot of free time and the happiest people would be the ones with all sorts of time on their hands. Like that would make sense, right? You would think, you know, the happiest people in life would be the people with all the free time and the unhappiest people would be the people who are, who are having to work and, and do the most. And can I tell you in, in 12 years of pastoring and counseling people, that is the exact opposite of what is true. That the unhappiest people, most depressed people that I meet are the people who have nothing to do. The people who wake up and don't have a purpose, the people who wake up and, and don't have a target, something they're aiming towards, something they're producing. You know, Dave Ramsey says that, you know, God hardwired men to get up, to go out, kill something, and bring it home to eat, you know, like at its core concept. And some of the most unhappy men that I meet are men who, who don't feel like that they have anything to do. They've, you know, they, 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 they've gone hunting as much as they want to go hunting. They've played as much golf as they want to play golf, whatever it is. They've played as much video games as they want to play. Like they can't fill up all their free time and they're miserable. The most content, happy people that I've ever met are the people who say, man, I'm busy and I'm slammed, but you know what? I'm working towards a goal. I'm being productive. I'm, I'm earning for my family. Whatever it is that you want to say in there. You would think it would be the opposite, but it's not true. No responsibility, no purpose, no commitments. It's really hard to avoid temptation. You know, some of you guys, a lot of you guys in the church, you do fasting with us. We're big about prayer and fasting here at the church. And, um, and there's actually about, you probably don't know this, there's like over 40 people who've partnered with us in 2016. We're, there's actually somebody in our church fasting and praying every day of the year, which is pretty incredible. Every day of the year, somebody's fasting. And if you don't know what fasting is, it's, it's just a, a biblical concept that says that for a certain period of time, you don't eat because you want to sacrifice for God. You, you pray, you read, you study to, to just kind of break that, that addiction of food to, to kind of fill your spirit with God. And it's simpler and more complicated than that, but that's fasting. And, um, and so it's something that's very, I'm very passionate about that I, I do in my life a good bit. And I've found for me, like Friday's my off day. So I'm home, I'm not in the office on Friday. It's almost impossible for me to fast on Friday. Cause like I'm just downstairs, like in my recliner or I'm like sitting around on my computer or whatever it is. And like, I, all I can think about is food cause there's nothing else going on. I don't have anything else to do. And it's, it's just really hard to avoid temptation when you're just sitting around. And so David's just sitting around. He's just laying around. He's just walking around on his roof, sleeping in the middle of the day. You're most tempted when you're being lazy. You're most tempted when you're outside of your purpose. And number three is this. I'm most tempted when I linger in temptation. It's like Captain Obvious, but go with me here for a second. I'm most tempted when I linger in temptation. David sees a beautiful woman naked. And I just want to go out on a limb and say right here that it's really hard for a man to avoid temptation when the woman's already naked, okay? That's a difficult challenge. Some of y'all are very nervous right now. Just, just let go. It's okay. We can talk about it, all right? So David sees her bathing. He's already in a big heap of trouble, okay? It's trouble. But then the Bible says that he investigated it. He said, who is that? Hey, somebody go find out who that is. Where does she live? Who's she related to? What's going on? Like, I'm intrigued by this. 
and chased it down. David could have said, I shouldn't have looked at that. I shouldn't have stared as long as I stared. But you know what? I'm just going to go back downstairs and I'm going to like send a letter and a pigeon to, you know, somebody and see how the war's going. I don't know what he would have done, but he'd have done something, okay? Instead, he investigated his temptation. He chased it down. He clicked on one more link. He had one more conversation, one more text, one more Facebook message. He investigated his temptation. Who is she? What's going on? Tell me about her. He was intrigued, right? And we're most tempted when we linger in temptation. Proverbs 6.5, this is interesting. Proverbs 6.5 says, save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter. Like a bird fleeing from a net. He says, save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter. Now, we're going to get nerdy on you for just a second. And I want to show you this video, okay? Uh, because I, I was watching this and it just was like, Oh my goodness, that will preach. All right, it ain't got nothing to do with the Bible, but I watched it and I was like, that will preach. So we're gonna watch this video for just a second. It's about a gazelle, all right? So watch this, go ahead. We got any audio? The audio is what preaches. There we go. Let's start it over and let's jack up that volume. And your body comes at a price. Speed And turn the lights down. Overheating is a problem for any animal testing the limits of speed. Run too fast for too long, and your body cooks, especially the brain. The result, cheetah speed, comes with limited range, and that's a weakness its prey can exploit. Gazelles have evolved a way to prevent their brains from overheating. Warm blood from the heart is cooled in an enlarged sinus area before it gets to the brain. A cheetah has to stop running when its body and brain reaches 105 degrees. But a gazelle can keep its brain temperature at 105 degrees, even if its body temperature rises to 109 degrees. This ability to keep a cool head allows gazelle to sustain high speeds for longer than their nemesis, the cheetah. Six seconds into the chase, and this cheetah's insane top speed has already put it on the edge of survival. Twelve seconds, its heart is taking serious strain, and its brain temperature is dangerously close to the maximum it can handle. Seventeen seconds, and it's forced to give up the chase. Okay, so let me just interpret real quick. Let me give you a little Bible with a little Smithsonian, okay? You ready? The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion slash cheetah looking for someone to devour. So, so Satan, our enemy, is a, is a lightning fast cheetah looking for somebody to devour. Proverbs 6, 5 says, save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, that cheetah, that lion who is chasing us down. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee. So listen, a gazelle is not faster than a cheetah. But if a gazelle, did you hear what he said? If a gazelle can keep a cool head, if he will run long enough, 
the cheetah has to stop because he overheats. So if the gazelle can last 17 seconds because he keeps a cool head, this preaches, come on. If he can just last 17 seconds because instead of freaking out and losing his mind, he keeps a cool head and he just runs and zigzags and goes and goes and resists and resists and resists and doesn't linger and doesn't ask. He just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. At about 17 seconds, the cheetah says, if I don't stop, I'm gonna die. He's overheated. You are not fast enough to outrun the devil. But if you will decide and determine in your life and in your mind, I'm not gonna give in, I'm not gonna linger, there comes a point in your spiritual journey and in your spiritual walk where the enemy, where Satan, where the devil, where the roaring lion says, I'm not, I can't waste any more of my energy trying to catch you. I can't do it. And so James 4, 7 says, resist the devil, just keep running, just keep zigzagging like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from the net. Resist the devil, and at some point he will overheat. So what's the point? The point is, is that you're most tempted when you linger in it. You say, I'm not gonna give in, but I'm just curious. Wrong, you're gonna get eaten. Well, I'm not, I'm not really gonna do anything. I just wanna, I just wanna ask, wrong. It's gonna, he's gonna bite your head off. You gotta run as fast as you can. You gotta get away. Did you look too long? Yeah, you looked too long. Did you, did you probably do some things wrong? Yeah, you probably did some things wrong. God, forgive me. Now run as fast as you can. Get as far away as you can. Move to Nebraska if you have to. Just go. Not that there's not temptation in Nebraska, but you know what I mean. Just go. And at some point, if you keep running and zigzagging, the devil's going to say, I, I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to stop. I'm most tempted when I linger in temptation. When you are in the wrong place at the wrong time, you almost always do the wrong thing. I know this is so elementary. This is so like fundamental. Like this is not like, you, you, you know, this is like second grade stuff, I know. But we forget. And we put ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time and then try to have willpower and try to have discipline and, and try to overcome this environment, these surroundings that are desperately trying to pull us down. Desperately trying to pull us down. When I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time, I almost always do the wrong thing, and you do too, and so did David. David ends up sleeping with her. She ends up getting pregnant, bad to worse. He ends up killing her husband. It just is a disaster. He ends up repenting, and God is gracious and faithful. But it all started because wrong place, wrong time. David was supposed to be at battle. David was not supposed to be taking a 3 o'clock nap, walking around on his roof investigating who she is and what she does. That's what we all do. So I wanna to end today with a prayer that I'd like for all of us to pray together, say together. It's gonna to be up on the screen, I think. I think I told them to put it up on the screen. I can't remember. If not, they're gonna copy and paste real fast. But here's what it says. This is the prayer. I'll say it for us first and then, uh, and then we can say it together. Very simple. It says, God, help me to find the right places and the right friends and help me fill my time with purpose.
Let me say it again. God, help me to find the right places and the right friends and help me fill my time with purpose. See, the best way to overcome temptation is to overcompensate with purpose. It's not to have more willpower, more discipline, more, oh my gosh, hold on, I can't do it. It's to go the exact opposite way and fill your life with purpose and meaning and the right influences and the right environments. God, help me to find the right places and the right friends and help me fill my time with purpose. Can we pray that together? Will you just say that with me? Let's say it together. God, help me to find the right places and the right friends and help me fill my time with purpose. Let's say it again, come on. God, help me to find the right places and the right friends and help me fill my time with purpose. Let's pray, everybody bow your heads.